Tissot Pop, Season 4, Episode 2. Hello and welcome to Tissot Pop. My name is Laura and joining me today to talk about group dynamics is teacher Hall Houston. Hall has been working as a university lecturer since 1997 and is currently based in Taipei, Taiwan. His interests include teaching listening, materials development and group dynamics. He has written six books for language teachers, including The Creative Classroom and Provoking Thought. He also does talks and teacher training for the British Council and Cambridge Assessments. Welcome to the show, Hall. Hello, Laura. In today's episode, we're going to talk about group dynamics and how this differs from group work or interaction patterns. We're going to discuss the stages a group of learners moves through during a semester or a course and how we as teachers can support each stage of a group's evolution. While today's topic will be examined through the lens of teaching undergraduate students, as with most TESOL POP episodes, ideas discussed in today's episode can be adapted for a variety of teaching contexts. Hall, when we met to plan this episode, you highlighted that group dynamics and group work are two separate things. Could you explain what group dynamic means? Um, yeah, some people in language teaching, when they hear group dynamics, the first thing they think of is group work. But actually, they are two different things. Um, group dynamics is a kind of a subdiscipline of the social sciences where they do research and explore groups. So they try to answer questions like, what is a group? Um, what are the different stages most groups go through? Um, how can a leader help a group reach their goals? Things like that. And I think the origins of group dynamics, there was a psychologist, Kurt Lewin, in the 1940s. He and some associates, they started doing papers about groups. They started doing research on groups, and then the field just kind of grew. And right now, there's thousands of different pieces of research about groups. Later on, Jill Hadfield and then also Zoltan Dornier, Tim Murphy, they've written books talking about how we can use the research from group dynamics to help create a, a better environment for our students, help them reach their goals as students. So they kind of, in their books, they have talked about how we can think of a class of students as a group and apply some of the findings of the group dynamics research. What does a great group dynamic look like? Do you have an example that you'd like to share from your own teaching experience? Uh, yes, a great group dynamic is where the members of the group are working together very well. Um, they support each other. They get along well. Um, they accept each other's roles in the group. And they also have shared goals. And there might be some conflict, some problems at times, but it usually ends up being very brief. And they know how to handle those problems. And overall, they're just working together very successfully to reach the goals of the group. Um, I taught a class a few years ago. It was an evening class at my university. And the students were all adults. They came from outside the university. And they got along really well. And they came into class. They were always very eager to practice English. If I gave them a role play or a game or listening exercise, they were always very eager to participate. And overall, they were a very cohesive group. They got along extremely well. The words that you just described there that come to mind is harmony, cohesion, community. These are the kind of words that were coming to mind as you were describing 
a, a great dynamic and also the group that you just mentioned. In your book, 101 EFL Activities for Teaching University Students, you look at the three stages a group goes through during a semester or however long the group studies together. Could you outline what those stages are and how we as teachers can support them? In group dynamics, they talk a lot about the different stages of group development. And in my book, I kind of simplified it into three stages. The first stage is the beginning of the semester. This is when the students come to class for the first time. Some of them may not know each other. Um, They may not know what to expect from the course. So they're just kind of starting out. Maybe they're a little bit nervous. If you're the teacher, it's important to tell the class some things about yourself. Also talk about the syllabus, talk about the materials you plan to use, and also describe your teaching approach and what you expect from them. So it's very good to be very clear on what the course is going to be like. And then you also want to help get the students to learn each other's names and do some icebreakers, some activities where they are kind of getting to know each other. And all of those things are very important so that you kind of help them form a community. They're not a bunch of strangers sitting in room, but they can make friends, they can form relationships. One of the key things that I read in many articles about starting a new semester or starting a course is to get students to learn each other's names. I have one activity in my book. It's called Have You Met Ted, which is a reference to a sitcom from, I think, over a decade ago, How How I Met Your Mother. And there's a character in the Mm -hmm. show that will introduce his friend to single women by saying, have you met Ted? And kind of throws his friend together with a stranger. And what the activity is about is getting students to introduce two people together. And the teacher can introduce some informal ways, like saying, Bill, this is Mary. Mary, this is Bill. And then maybe slightly more formal, like, let me introduce you to and get the students to practice, maybe bring two students to the front of the class and get them to practice a little. And then have everybody stand up, walk around, and just practice introducing people to each other. It's a great way for them to get lots of practice saying other people's names and hearing other names. So hopefully they are learning the names in the process. And also they learn a bit of functional language. They learn how to introduce two people. So if in the future, maybe after they graduate, they're in some situation where they need to introduce two people, they know how to do it. That's wonderful how you got inspiration from a TV sitcom for this activity. And what I particularly love about it is that it can work so easily for beginner students because you can keep it as lean as just a phrase for introduction, moving around. And I can imagine particularly when working with adult students, well, actually all ages, it could get a bit funny as well as you kind of try remember everybody's names. Yeah, the book has quite a few activities for learning names and some tips for teachers to learn the students' names because that's always very important. If you know your students' names, it's a good way to form a connection with the class because most of them really appreciate that you took the time to learn their name. 100% and even more so to learn how to pronounce it correctly. Um, I really take time to look over my students' names, practice saying them. And with large classes, I may have a seating plan. So I can refer to that where the names are and keep on looking at that as I get to know 
the different classes I'm teaching. That helps me, particularly if I have quite a few large classes I'm working with. So you've talked about the first stage being the beginning of the course or beginning of the semester. What's the next stage and things that teachers should bear in mind? Um, the next stage is the long period between the beginning and the end, the middle of the course. And that's the long periods of weeks that hopefully students have gotten to know each other and they're making progress in their learning. Um, I think at this point, after a few weeks of class, it's important to add some variety to the class. Especially if you're using a course book, you may want to use some music, use a song, maybe a video, just do something a little bit different and also mix up the students. Don't let them always work with their best friends. Sometimes put them in a, a group or a pair with somebody they don't know so well. And again, they can continue learning names and learning about each other. It's also good to do some review after just a few weeks have passed, it's easy for students to forget what they covered a few weeks ago or a month ago. So do some review activities, make sure that they keep the vocabulary and the grammar in their long-term memory. Um, you can also get feedback from students. You can let them tell you what kinds of things they like, what things they don't like, maybe some ideas for different things that they would prefer to do. I like to do a lot of review activities with my class, and there's one in the book. It's not something I wrote. It came from Kate Jones, who wrote a wonderful book called Retrieval Practice, and the activity is called Quiz Quiz Trade, and it's quite simple. You pass out slips of paper, and each student writes down three words or phrases that they want to remember, maybe something a little more challenging, and then they walk around. They do kind of a mingle and they quiz each other on the words. So you might ask them to give out some hints and see if the other person can guess the word. For example, if the word is picnic, they might say you go to a park and you put down a blanket, um, you open up a basket, you have some sandwiches and you eat some sandwiches with your friends. What is that called? And hopefully they can guess the word. And then the two students quiz each other and when they finish, they trade cards. That's why it's called quiz, quiz, trade. And after they trade cards, they say goodbye and they go find a new partner. And now they have a new card, a new set of words to quiz the other student on. And you can, you can set kind of a limit. You might say, talk to five different people. And then when you're finished, you can sit down. And it's just a great way of getting them to review some of the language that came up maybe last week or a month ago, just so they keep it all in their long-term memory. So you've given lovely activities for what teachers can do at the beginning of a class and during as well, the importance of reviews and the facilitating lots of different interactions in classes to keep learners building those relationships. What about as we approach the end of a term or a course, what should teachers bear in mind then? Well, at the end of course, it's always tempting to just not really do much of anything because you're maybe you're low on energy, the students are ready to take a break. But it's good to do a few things, kind of give them a feeling of closure. Um, once again, you can review things that they covered throughout the whole course. Um, you can get them to give you some feedback on the entire course, things that they liked, things that they didn't like so much. And also they can talk about the future, talk about what they're planning to do, not only after the course is over, maybe summer vacation, but they can also talk about things that they could do on their own 
to continue their learning. Even when the class is over, what kinds of things can they do to improve their English? One activity I like to do that's just kind of a fun activity before the summer vacation, it's called planning someone else's summer. I give each student a sheet of paper, ask them to write their name at the top, and then I collect them, I redistribute them. So everyone has someone else's name on the paper, and then they write out a plan for the summer. And I give them some questions to think about where would this person go? What would they do? How long would they spend there? You know, what kinds of things would they buy? What kinds of activities would they join in? And they write out a nice paragraph. I tell them, don't just write short answers to the questions, but write out a nice paragraph. And then when they're finished, they return it to the person whose name is at the top of the page. And everybody takes a minute to read. And then the teacher at the very end can ask a few students, tell me about the vacation that your classmate wrote about. And then did you like it? What did you think? Is there anything you would do differently? So it's just kind of a, a fun way to get them thinking about what they might do over the summer, a little bit of writing and reading practice, but with a kind of a fun element to it. Thank you so much, Hall, for sharing these really helpful activities and for walking through the different stages of a group dynamic. It's been really interesting talking to you and preparing this episode and doing this interview. So thank you for your time. Thank you, Laura. All of the ideas in today's episode are featured in Hall's book, 101 EFL Activities for Teaching University Students. You can buy Hall's book online or in Crane Publishing Bookstores if you are in Taiwan. I'm also going to hyperlink Hall's name to his LinkedIn profile on the TESOPOP website so you can get in touch if you have further questions. As always, if you have a question or an idea to pitch like Hall did for the podcast, then you can get in touch with us via Facebook, Instagram, or the website, tsopop.com. Finally, if you love what we do at TSOPOP, then you can support us by posting a rating review wherever you listen to podcasts, sharing content with your teaching community, or by even sponsoring our coffee break at ko-fi.com forward slash tsopop. We'd most certainly appreciate that. And that link will also be on the website.